there at the back for you. I'm counting on it. Oh, there's Stephanie. Good. Stephanie, thank you. Meet you at the back there if there's anybody would like a bag. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would, please, to Psalm 8. I want you to have that laying out in front of you. And uh, we are going to watch some scenes from God's creation. Majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them. Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, these words come to us today. Remind us of your majesty. May we, as we're sitting in this place, be ever so happy that we get to sit with these people and that we get to be in your presence and that you love us. Speak to us now. Open our hearts and our minds to your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Writing this sermon was a struggle. Not because of the text, though maybe a little. Stay tuned for that. Not because I don't like preaching. And not because I dislike writing. It just feels like recently life has splashed me with distractions. Some of it's been the pain in our church family different people going through different things. Then there was the Isla Vista shootings. There's been reflecting on my dad's diagnosis a year ago, and now I'm experiencing my first Father's Day without him. Shooting up at Seattle Pacific, which impacted my own family. And then the high school shooting at Oregon, which just raised all of that trauma again. And admittedly, I've taken on the weight. If you were here a couple of Sundays ago, uh, you saw me post a quote by Rob Walls up at Seattle Pacific University. And he said, the Old Testament prophets speak of idolatry as a failure of inattentiveness. The inability or unwillingness to focus our attention and our desire upon God in the face of a myriad of distractions. In the face of evil, people refuse to choose God because their minds are absorbed elsewhere. So here's the tension. We live in a world of distractions, which we can choose to let burden us. But yet God is present and he's calling us to see him and to hear his voice. Every go, everywhere we go, we do see God is present. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth and us. And we cannot hide from him. And he is not hidden from us if we will but look. So this chapter that we just read is a celebration of the Lord's creative work, his lordship and our role as his beloved creation and children. He is the maker 
And we are mere mortals. So what do we learn from this? On how we look at God and how God looks at us. Well, in my study this week, I've come up with one thing. that I, If you forget everything else that's been said here this morning, here's the one thing. God is God and we are not. Enjoy it. Now, would you read this passage again with me? We're going to read in a little different version, but I want you to read in unison with me this time. Let's read it together. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Now, if you look in verses 1 and 9, we see that God's majestic, or also translated excellent, name fills the earth. There's another version of the Bible, the message, which says God's name is a household name. Now, when I say the name Pope Francis, you know the name and you know a little bit about him. When I say the name LeBron James, some of you know the name and you know about him. When I say the name Maya Angelou, some of you know the name and you know a little bit about her. When I say the name Taylor Swift or Jennifer Lawrence, some of you know those are household names. God's name is majestic. It is excellent. It is a household name known all over the earth. His glory is higher than anything. How high? Well, these verses tell us so high that he's even taught children and infants who cannot even yet speak how to praise him. When you look in the face of a little baby, you can just see God smiling. God's creation. God speaking his praise. And I couldn't help but recall since we just came through Eastertide, when Jesus finished that ride on Palm Sunday, Remember, the leaders came up to him and said, who are these people to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? And Jesus said to them, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst out in cheers. So I'm reading this passage thinking I can either choose to join this or not, because everything else in creation is praising God, even the people who can't speak yet. His praise is loud. So loud, the verses we just read, if you look there, it will silence their, our enemies. So often we feel like the enemies have the louder sound, but they don't. God's praise, God's glory, God's majesty will silence them and those who oppose us. Now let's talk about the weight that you and I take on. The enemies 
those who oppose us. The psalmist reminds us that even the praise of the children and infants will silence our enemies and all who oppose us. Those enemies can be death, tragedy, sickness, unhealthy relationships, discouraging words from others and many more. And those things can pile up. They can be like a little person who's standing on your shoulder. When I was growing up, I used to watch the Flintstones. I'm dating myself. But every once in a while, Fred Flintstone would have a demon and he'd have an angel and they'd be yelling at him. And I, sometimes I feel like it's that little demon that's just here in my ear saying all of those things. Doug, watch CNN for three hours and get discouraged. <laughs> right? We let that stuff just be so loud. But the words of God's strength can be louder. And then the psalmist, inspired by the night sky, he must have been writing this at night. I see a lot of night stuff going on there. He says, when I look at all this and I wonder, and I'm sure he was wondering, how many stars are really up there? And is there any way I could ever count them? No. And how is it they go on forever and ever? And when he realized there is no end to the universe, the psalmist says, God, how is it that you even care about me? I'm a little speck. It would take light years and light years and light years and light years and light years to get to me from even the edge of the universe I can see. And so the psalmist reminds us that God made us a little lower than himself. And scholars have had different views on this translation, but the Hebrew says we are made just a little lower than God. We have royalty status. We're crowned with glory and honor in God's eyes. So we should be actually marveling at this privileged position. We have a pretty good position with God. We are more important than the creation of plants and flowers and animals and all that. And he's sending this affirmation to us. And he sent the biggest affirmation when he sent his son to earth to tell us once for all, I love you. I am sending, I am coming as a human. But with privilege comes responsibility. If you've ever been awarded a nice position in something, you know it all looks great until you have to do it. Right. And so we run back to Genesis one twenty six to 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all those animals that scurry along the ground. Wanted to make sure we heard that part. So God had written in all these responsibilities. This is our job description. And as I said just a little earlier, it all looks good on paper, doesn't it? But verses six, seven and eight of the psalm go on to give that description again just as a reminder if you read it right there it's in psalm 8 taken right from genesis 1 
And we can look at that and we go, okay, this is why we care about the environment. This is why I haul my big blue recycle bin up on every Wednesday and I fill it all week long. That's why we do that. Not because I'm trying to make a green earth, but because I love God and I want to take care of his creation. And that's why we support Eden Reforestation in the life of our church, a ministry that's growing bigger by the day in Haiti and in Ethiopia and in Madagascar, where millions of trees are being planted. Lives are being transformed for Christ because people have jobs and dignity. That's why we support those kinds of things. So God, whose name is a household name, has created an amazing world and given us the privileged position to take care of it. And right now, I could go down a trail of how we take care of our world and us. But I think you're hearing plenty of that. God is speaking through all kinds of media right now, isn't he? He's just yelling, take care of our earth. So this for me was the struggle because I sat with this passage. Okay, I can give a recycling message. We can talk about Eden. We can talk about taking care of our temple that God's given us. But that was the struggle because in some ways this passage seemed so straightforward. I just wanted to read it and say, amen, let's go live this right now. But there's more to say. God has created us with wonderful minds to think and discern And decide. And so let me circle back here to our one thing God is God, and we are not. Enjoy it. You see, He's given us a heart of compassion for His people. And the problem is that we forget God is God, and we're not. And so, what do we do? We take on the weight of the world with all of its burdens its cares, its challenges. And just to be clear, there is a time for us to take on the weight of mourning and lamentation and to feel some of those things. I don't want to minimize that. But what I'm saying is it's easy for us to take on that stuff and try to fix it. And in reality, God is trying to tell us that He has the ultimate responsibility The buck stops with him. We don't have to be in charge. We don't have to be in control. We don't have to fix everything. A couple of months ago, Nancy and I, my wife Nancy and I, uh, went to a seminar at Cottage Hospital. And they laid out some pretty discouraging stats. The American Psychological Association did a test on stress in America. Maybe you've seen some of that. And they found, uh, previously they had found that millennials aged 18 to 33 were the country's most stressed generation ever. Now that title belongs to teenagers. And as we know, because stress has become so rampant in our country, there have been health problems that are now being related to that. Self-medication, early death, all kinds of different things that we could go on to list. California is now listed as one of the U.S.'s most stressful states. We think we're laid back, but we're stressed. 56% of our youth in Santa Barbara County are now listed as at risk. Can it all be tied to stress? Not all of it, but a lot. 
The pressure put on our kids and even the pressure that was put on us that's now being put on them is causing more stress, which is leading more people toward trying to take care of themselves however they can. Is this who we want to be? Is this who God wants us to be? All of us are leaders and influencers on personal levels. And we've always, some of us have been, we've all been in charge of something at some time. And the responsibility can sometimes seem overwhelming, even in the smallest of tasks. We know the feeling of others counting on us. Even for people who enjoy the challenge of leading the way, it is occasionally nice to be a lieutenant. Don't you like that sometimes when somebody else gets to be in charge for a little bit and you just follow orders? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that that's the feeling we should be having all the time with God. That we get to be his servants, that we get to be his children. And while there are so many things in our lives that are broken and and could need fixing, the psalmist is reminding us that he is God and that we're not and we can enjoy being in his presence. We can let him have control. And that takes a community. I need other people speaking into my life to say, Doug, let it go. Let God take this and lead it. He will give you wisdom in his time. He really is control. He really does love us and know what's best. Oh, Lord, our Lord, your name is majestic throughout the earth. As we have just a few moments of quiet, let's ask ourselves, what what are we still trying to control in our own life? And where is it that we really need to let God be God, to let him be majestic, to let him care for us and to love us and to lead us? Let's take these moments.